This is episode 43 of the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar, Mark Sharon, Stephen Slate, and I will be talking today about how people break free from the addiction and recovery and treatment trap. We are the co-authors of the Freedom Model for Addictions, Escape the Treatment and Recovery Trap, and the Freedom Model for the Family. The Freedom Model offers a completely different approach to addiction, and it offers a real solution that is individual-centered. We offer two ways to learn the Freedom Model in private, one-on-one classes, and that is at our beautiful private St. Jude Retreat, and through at-home Freedom Model private instruction, which we do via video conference. You can get information about our retreat at soberforever.net and thefreedommodel.org, and you can get information about our private instruction at home program at leaveaddictionbehind.com. Stephen is gonna gonna tell us what our topic is today that we're discussing. Um, the topic is blame. Everyone is worried about who or what to blame for addiction, and uh, when people propose different theories about addiction, it's often okay. Because of this, we don't have to blame the addict, right? right. Or it's and it and there's an obsession with blame, and every time I see it, I it I go blame is the last thing in my mind. Yes. With this, I'm here to help people with a substance use problem. I I'm not here to blame them. I'm not here to blame a brain disease. I'm or not, their parents. I'm not here to blame their parents or society or any such thing. I'm here to help them move beyond their substance use problem. And I don't see any role for blame. And, and th- what, made, what got me on thinking about this again is there was an article in Discover Magazine. And it was called like The Goose and the Fox or something like mm-hmm. that. And... Uh, it was uh, it was about a theory of addiction where addiction is not a brain disease, but it is part of your brain because you know. And they, they tell the story of imagine this little baby goose Gosling Gosling <laughs> Gosling right. Yeah. So the the Gosling comes to and his eyes open up and the first thing he sees is a fox right. So. Mm-hmm. He imprints on the fox and bonds to the fox Mm -hmm. and goes towards the fox and gets killed, obviously, right? And so did he have a brain disease? His brain was imprinting on the fox like it was supposed to. And so there's this imprinting theory of addiction or bonding theory of addiction. And it's been talked about in this new paper, but I heard it. It's in a really old paper by this guy, Peter Cohen from the Netherlands as well. That, that addiction is bonding, but putting all that aside, right? And they're, and they're like, okay, so it's not really a brain disease. And we're contending with this because of everything like that Mark Lewis has written. So, all right, so what is it? Oh, it's this bonding thing. So, and the article ends by saying, if this view is correct, we cannot blame either addicts or their brains for their predicament. Now, that's a tiny little line, hmm. but... It's like, okay, you wrote a really great article. I don't necessarily agree with this bonding thing in the, the full sense. Yeah. Um, but you wrote this really great article. But it ends with a concern about blame. And I just don't know why we have, why are we even concerned with it? Why is everybody so concerned with blame? Well, I think that, that it's because I think people come at addiction from 
a place where it's external to the person that it happens to you, right? We've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. But if you come at addiction as something that happens to you, there's what is the thing that makes it happen, right? Yeah. And so the freedom model is just the opposite. It's completely internally based, meaning it's individual based. It's it's the, it's centered on the person making a decision for themselves. So um, so automatically you get to a spot where first of all we don't blame because that's that whole word is just wicked filled with judgment. Yeah. You know. Um, but but if you if addiction is something that happens because of external factors people, places, things, circumstances, triggers, traumas, anxieties. I'm going through the whole list of things you could blame. Um, if you come at it from that perspective, then it is a blame game. Because yeah. we don't agree with it. We don't agree with, and, and even further back, the premise is, is that it's bad. Well, I think, yeah, now that's, so that's it's, it's bad one and of the it's, biggest points. And your cause to use. Right. Yeah. So it's bad, and we better find what is causing you to behave so in this bad way. It. Yeah. That's right. So you can stop. See, it. see, that's the thing where, that's the thing. I think that's. I think that's the crux of it. See, I never felt bad about doing drugs. I had never had any shame about actually using them. I didn't think it was a bad thing to just do the drugs. Now, I committed crimes, and to get drugs. And I feel bad about that. You criminal. And I, <laughs> and I, and I blame myself for that. I don't blame myself for using drugs, and I don't blame because, anyone because I don't think of it as a bad thing. Right. Right. And so you know, you always see the big the big push behind the brain disease model was we won't have to blame addicts, and and we can just help them, and and I so baked into. Everybody who is worrying about blame is a judgment. What you're saying, right. I agree, is a judgment that the drug use itself is bad, is just necessarily bad and worthy of blame. That's right. We need to sanction it. That's right. Right. That's right. That's at the core of it. That's right. And they couldn't possibly. The theory goes further. They couldn't possibly freely choose this bad thing. Yes. Right? It's so egregious. It's so dirty. Mm -hmm. Right? The way, just the terms we use, I've talked about this before, but it's worth repeating, you know, saying that, are, are you clean? Yeah. Yeah. You know? That, yeah. Or, I actually, I saw nobody says, are you still dirty? I saw, yeah. Are you, are you still, still dirty? a filthy addict? <laughs> I saw a tweet yesterday that a woman was like, I'm 13 years clean today. And I was just, I'm ex people have such Go a reaction on. to that word. I'm, I'm scrolling through the comments forever going, all right, when is somebody going to like tear her to shreds because right. she said clean, yeah. <laughs> but it didn't, it didn't happen. But you do, you do see that a lot, yeah. but like we're yeah. so, but yeah, so. So I think, I think the blame game with this has, has a lot to do with, um, with it's the whole treatment yes. idea yes. that, that if we can control the things outside of you that are causing you to use that's our goal it'll stop you from using it it discounts whatever anybody thinks they're getting from it so and in their mind it's like okay so now there's really no stigma there's the stigma thing again yeah. because if if somebody else is at fault for your heavy substance use 
or something else is at fault for your heavy substance use, then once again, you're not responsible. Yeah. And it's it, there, you couldn't possibly want it or like it in any way. It's just something that is happening to you. So a perpetual, you know, the victimization of people. And then when you're a victim, you have to go, you know, spend tens of thousands of dollars for somebody to fix you. <laughs> yeah. So how yeah. convenient, you know? And, and if the cause, let's say, is inner city poverty, that, right. that, that they, the theory is, and I've used this for years, the whole po- poverty argument. Um, and it, so if you're poverty stricken, you grew up in the ghetto or rural America, which is now the sort of stereotype is the meth head that lives in the trailer, right? right? right. Which is a horrible thing in and of itself but but the truth is there's lots of meth heads that live affluent lives too yes there but, are but if we can if we can pigeonhole people into this causal situation then who's going to fix the poverty okay so what they do is they pick an argument that really can't be fixed right away which makes the treatment industry forever relevant yeah so so if it's if if you pick a cause to blame like stress well every human being has stress every day at some point so what you do is you pick you cherry pick all these things that are completely unavoidable that are part of life that are part of life and are uncontrollable so the treatment industry says you use because we're going to blame this 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 all of which are unavoidable realities of life and you're going to have to be put into a situation that's trigger-free. And where is that? Well, that's, we institutionalize you. Yeah. Eventually, the goal is full-bore, lifelong institutionalized people. And, and there's a lot of money in that game. Because when the insurance runs out, Medicaid picks up the bill. Yeah. Okay? And then social services picks up the bill. And this employs millions of people in this massive system of victimizing people based on mythology because poverty doesn't cause addiction. Yeah, We've covered well, that in some of the other things. Certainly over 90% of people living in poverty don't qualify exactly. it as addicted. Right. Right. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. But the myth still persists yeah. that, oh, you had this risk factor. You know, you're stressed out because you don't have a job. Da, 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 da. I, and, and I don't want to, we're painting with a broad brush. I mean, everybody that looks for causes, we'll find I, I think a lot of it is well-intended. Of yeah. course. You know what I mean? That of you think that if you find a cause of a disease, that you can find a solution to the disease. The problem is the premise of disease is inaccurate. And, and you know, when it comes to people within their own minds, their autonomy, everybody has their own reasons. And so you can't, you can't find one, especially with any behavioral science, you can't find one cause that's going to, lead every time to certain behaviors i mean it's yeah. it's it's a false folly well you know it's uh, here's a good analogy you, you know when you bring your car into a dealership nowadays all cars are run on computers and certain software so if you bring your gm car to a gm dealer they have a computer program that deals with gm cars it would be like bringing your gm car into a bmw dealer with bmw software and all those mechanics would be plugging in it and they can't find the diagnosis they know the car is broken they have a job to figure it out. So now they start jimmy-rigging 
because the computer software doesn't work. It's the wrong software. It's the wrong solution to the problem. So they start jimmy-rigging the engine. Now, the engine never really runs good after that, but they figured out ways to maybe solder a wire here, bypass this system, and now the BMW, which is once a world-renowned, beautiful, wonderful car, is a jalopy. And it's rolling down the road, barely limping along. And that's what happens to people. They become hobbled. They don't really quite understand why these causes and looking at the causes, why they can't trigger-free their life or addiction-proof their life. And, And meanwhile, this team of mechanics is around them working with the wrong software, well intentioned mechanics yeah. working on this person yeah. endlessly. An entire system is built and none but, of it works. And the, the like one little, the, the part deeper I want to go to though is, is the blame thing is sanctioning, right? Or it's, it's shaming. It's who do we direct ire at? Yeah. Or what do we direct ire at? Do we, we direct that that negative emotion at the person who likes to use a lot of drugs? Do we do we project it at the neighborhood that they grew up in, at the dysfunction in the brain? What do we what do we hate? Yeah. Right? You know, mm-hmm. so and and that's so like you said, right? Like baked into looking for something to blame is the judgment that the behavior is bad. So what the attitude we have, and I don't think we can ever, we have a tough time conveying that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so for years I, you know, I was blogging and saying addiction is not a disease and I would just get like, you hate addicts, you hate them. Mm -hmm. Why do you hate them? You know, I get all this kind of, this, this angry email and comments. It's like, I don't, and, and, the, and people's assumption is, well, you're saying they have a choice, so therefore you hate them. Yeah. Right. No, no, no. That's in your mind. You hate drug use. Right. Obviously. Right. right? right. You have a negative judgment about it, right? We don't. Oh, let, and so, me, like, that's, that's what I want people to know how radical. Yes. Where, at, well, in such a big picture view, you could change the way you see addiction is to not have. Heavy substance use be an object of hatred. That's right. that's huge because people often ask, "How is the freedom model different?" And it's different on a macro view because we know that the person is making the choice, right? Right. But and then you bring up the blame thing, and we get around the blame thing because when people ha- enter our retreat or our first class with private instruction, they assume we think their drinking and drugging is bad because they've been conditioned that way, right? Right. So we've trained our instructors and we've trained ourselves. And not just bad, like in a functional level to them in their lives, right? But that. We, almost like we look at it as sinful. Yes, like dirty. If we're, yes, right. Dirty. Like yes. so that's that that's that's the layer down. Like because if you think it's not functional in your life and you're like it's it's not a good option for me, it's a bad option just for what I'm trying to get out of life. Okay, but that's a whole different kind of bad than it's a it's a sinful thing, a dirty thing. It's an inherent. Bad. Yes. It means, it means the, that you're hedonistic and weak. Yeah. And, right. Yeah. Yes. So people come in with the oh these are people who help people with drugs. They must judge me. They must think drugs drugs are bad. So right? so like, so when we train our instructors, what we say is 
we go through a whole process about the first class where you get rid of judgment. And so the very first thing we do is we talk about the benefits of use from class one. You know, what did you, I'm, I'm looking at my student going, what do you get out of this? They're shocked by that. They're first, and they're so conditioned to be blamed yeah. and hated. And I'm, I want to jump in on the benefits thing because a lot of people are talking about that now. Yeah. But to the degree that they talk about it, it's like, oh, you need this. I know. Oh, I know. This, I know. it's like. You need this for your stress, because right? They so, still... And so they're still like, I have to justify why the person is using. Not just say, right? Like, the, Yeah, the, yeah, because it comes because from Because it place. is bad. That's right. So I have to come up with a reason that is compelling. Yes. Right? That, that compels the person. So they're still like, it's, it's all tainted by the view that it's bad. Right. That's right. Right? That's so, right. So we almost have to break it down to, all right, I want you to imagine if you're drinking, um, you know, 12 beers a night. I want you to imagine that you're eating 12 carrots a night and, <laughs> yes. and, and, yeah. and equate them as the same way because nobody's going to come to you and go, wow, man, 12 carrots. So like what is like the, the totally radical view is your life is your own. That's yep. right. Your goal choices, whether that is, let's say, 20, 30 years ago to be gay, right? And that right. was bad. Yeah. Right. And dirty. Yeah. Right? Only because society said so. Yeah. But we're saying your goal choices, if that's to get high all the time, if that's the thing that brings you happiness, right? Yeah. Then that is valid. Right. Because you have one life. Right, and it's you yours. Live it. it's, yours. It's, yours. it's yours. Now, I want to I want to make a distinction here where people get muddled and they always go to this. Is they yes, your life is your own. Your drug use doesn't hurt anybody, but when you behave in a way where you kill somebody in a car accident, we're not discounting that that sucks. Yeah. Okay? Yeah, we're not and and you are to blame <laughs> at that point for killing a family. Right in in a car because you decided to drink. There are downstream consequences that are shitty, um, but that that's not what we're talking about that's here. Not we're, talking what we're talking about the it's choice, the actual act of the drinking, personal using drugs, motivation behind drinking, and how society sees that drinking, drugging, whatever it might be. We don't judge that. So there's lots of consequences to um, risky behaviors. I always, you know, it's funny because you have. You have a per capita more dangerous and more consequential, bad consequential uh, results with other activities like boxing or racing cars. I always use those too because they're very popular. Yeah. People don't look down upon them. They don't disease them. They don't victimize the person and say they're compelled to box or compelled to race cars. Yeah. Yet people die. You they don't kill blame them for you know who do we blame for the fact that he races cars? That's right. It, right? That would be weird. And so in, in that's a, what this guy likes to do. That's what brings him happiness in his life. And, and, and it's it, not our job to figure out why. It's not our job to justify it and say he needs a justification for why he likes to race I, cars. But that's what this blame thing is is getting at is that, oh, we, we have to justify because it's such a bad thing. Well, that's and that's it. Now, think about this. In a, in a, in a race car, you, you have a high potential of killing somebody. 
Yeah. Right? Just watch a Daytona race and see the massive crashes that happen. Now, safety standards have changed. But in the old days, people died all the time. time. In boxing, you're actually one step away from killing a man or woman. Right. Your your goal is to knock them unconscious. Right. And brain bleeds happen and people die. That's been historically true. And yet, we don't have that strange blame game going on like, my God, you know... Uh, this person got in the ring because of this, this, and this. Because we don't view it as inherently evil. Yeah. Right. We do see drinking as inherently evil. If you just look at the look at the religious organizations and the way they see drinking, the morality issue associated with it. So what happens is they tend to conflate the downstream results of drinking, and some of that might be liver disease. Mm-hmm. Right. But you have to drink a lot for that to happen, first of all. Yeah. And, and that's the person, that's within their body. They get to choose that. Um, so they, But they conflate, you know, killing the family, um, being a gutter bum and having it out in the open and seeing the, the, the downtrodden results of that. Uh, and then they say, there must be a reason why they did that. Let's blame yeah. them. Let's blame them. So um... There's a lot at work there. So now I want to shift the conversation to, well, how do people actually move forward if they're using a ton of drugs and they're like, this isn't working for me and I want to, I want to move. And they start to decide it's not my route to happiness. How do they actually move forward? Okay. So say that again. So, cause I want when to... somebody decides they want to move forward and change their substance use habit. Does blame pay? Does, okay. does blame help us further them? Yeah, I think blame at that point internally. So the so the person, let's say the person is saying, "I gotta quit. I really want to change my life," because the blame game is so pervasive. Mm-hmm. They already blame themselves. They've been, uh, you know, they have all these sort of issues that uh, not discourage. I can't think of the word right now, but they're they're distracted. They're distracted by the disease concept. They're distracted by all this misinformation. And so the first thing we do is we say, um, forgive yourself. There's, yeah. there's nothing bad happening right. here. You know, the act of drinking or drugging, why is it that you enjoy it? And forget about your yeah. guilt and shame, right? Yeah, yeah. I, you I don't think, feel guilty I, for eating a bowl of cereal in the morning. Why would you feel guilty for ingesting something else. That's right. You know what I mean? So so let's let's look at it. Now, maybe there's a lot of stuff that you've done that you equated with your drinking or drug use, you know, stealing or um, you know, beating your spouse or, mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. and maybe you equated it with that. Those are separate issues that you can deal with later. But but what we're only going to talk about right now is the actual act of ingesting a substance. So what we're talking about. So here, let's say we had though something plausible to blame. Okay. There was fluoride in the water that made you do this. So let's blame the city officials. Does that help the person at this moment no, in time? It doesn't. No. If of anything, not. it gets in the way. Yeah. Because you can't go back and change what happened. That's that's the point. You can't change society. You're not going to change the poverty rate. You're not going to change anything. You're not going to change yeah. your past. Even, even if it were true. But but the research says that's not true. So we even have a level yeah. here where we go into reality even in a better direction. So, so there's a couple things here, which is that, first of all, blame is just an underlying judgment of it's an implicit judgment that the substance use is bad so we have to assign blame 
because it's right. a bad thing. Because it's a bad right. thing. Right? Yes. It's, a, it's like, um, you know, I don't know, there was a plane crash. we got to figure out who to blame for this. Yeah. That was a bad thing, right? So it's there's a judgment. Second of all, when you go to move forward, it doesn't do anything for you to blame somebody. No. So yeah. it's it's been a total, it's, it's been, this has been on my mind for 15 years yeah. in a way. As, as long as I've been studying addiction, it's everybody's worried about who to blame. And every time it goes over my head, I'm like, why are you obsessed with who to blame? Let's just fix the problem. But but it's but it really comes down, Steve, again, to this external internal thing. If if the person has personal reasons and they're for use and they're the ones making the choice um, the treatment industry really doesn't believe that. So you, so they automatically, between the bad part and the fact that there's external factors that compel people to use, that's an ironclad way of making sure that treatment is always necessary. It's wrong. It's yeah. false. Sure. But now what about the average people, not the treatment industry? So yep. everybody latched on to um, Johan's thing because it seems to blame... Society. Uh, lack of connection in right? today's society. And like, Social hey, media. don't hate them. They're disconnected. And like, what, you know, like, don't, let's, let's not blame them. And, and so the, the public is very concerned about who to blame. Yep. It seems. Yeah. Because they do not, because the public does not understand that people genuinely enjoy drinking, boxing, racing cars, or any other type of risky activity that people engage in. Yeah. So, so, or that they deem as bad. They can't understand it. They can't under, look at if you're not a drinker and that's not your preference, or if you're not a boxer, nobody, people have looked at me and said, Mark, you box for years. Getting punched in the face, did you like this? No, I didn't like getting punched in the face, but I like punching the other guy. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, part of the package. Yeah, that's part of what you do. Yeah. I mean, no no drunk likes killing the family. And no yeah. drunk even you know? likes a hangover. Right. But it's part of the package. Yeah, but we do like getting drunk. Yeah. You know, and the, and the benefits of that experience. Yeah. So it's just hard for people outside of that realm to understand it. So it, it the blame game becomes imperative for them to have some justification so you but you would ask something you know how do we help somebody and yeah i mean how does somebody move not even how do we help uh, them how do they move forward the first thing i do is is uh i tell them for god's sakes just forgive yourself first because shame and guilt make it almost impossible to teach somebody anything because it's like a massive massive problem when you get somebody in the room you know, you're having class and they, they're just falling apart and you say, whoa, you know, why do you like this? It's okay to like this. I know bad things have happened. You can cry about those things. Mm-hmm. I get that. Yeah. And I understand that. I do because I've hurt people drunk. Um, but let's, Michelle said it, let's deal with those issues in a little while. Separately. Right. The consequence, the downstream consequences and costs that you've been willing to pay. Let's deal with that in a minute. Let's talk about just what you get out of that experience and forgive yourself. It's not bad to use. Yeah. That act is really normal. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's a personal preference. It's something that, quite frankly, only affects you at the moment that you're doing it. Um, you know, nobody's being victimized by you using, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're not, 
And, you know, and everybody, quite frankly, let's just put it out there, everybody's inherently selfish. Yeah. I mean, we're all looking to feel happier. In a pursuit of our happiness. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. give a moment in time. So so let's put that stupid argument aside that it may, somehow means that you're more selfish than the average person. Yeah, I can't believe I believed that I stuff. Can't I can't Yeah, it never made it. sense. Me too. And yeah. then it would always, and then there would be these arguments like, well, yeah, you know, be like, well, you can't be totally Self- altruistic no. and selfless, right? Because then you would die, right? <laughs> right. It's like, you got to take care of yourself first so you can take care of others. Okay, so it's, I don't have to have an absolute altruistic, <laughs> selfless, like that, that became such a confusing thing in my yeah, head. Me it's too. And then me I, too. then I, I was, Again, that's, that's how I found my favorite author was to look into the topic of selfishness. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and we're like, wait a minute, I have to make sense of this. Is it bad or is it good? Right. Yeah. It right. just is. It just is. Like, even when you're being anybody who's totally altruistic finds personal happiness there, or they wouldn't be that way. So I can remember doing that in my <laughs> head, that roundabout where I'm like, so I'm supposed to serve others so I can feel happier. But yeah. isn't that selfish? Yes. <laughs> and, and it is. Of course it is. And, yeah. that's a, and that's a good thing because we're designed that way with the positive drive principle. Yes, we are. You know, that's, that's the way the human race progresses forward. Now, sometimes the things that you find are very, very satisfying Others pay the price for it. Sometimes. Drinking. Now, that's where things get muddy for people and the blame game. And we've hit this, but I want to hit it again. You know, you might drink a lot and there's nothing wrong with that. The act of drinking and yeah, having a sucks. buzz, there is nothing wrong with that. It's when you beat your kids, you neglect them, you crash cars, you... Those, you now, give yourself the is, license to misbehave. Yeah. yeah. Treat other people like crap knowing that you might get away with it because you're drunk. Yeah, and that's a whole different conversation, though. It is, and it, but now that brings up something. How much, when people say addiction, right? I knew you were going here. What, what do they mean? Because you get into rehab and it's this condition you have which forces you to involuntarily use substances. That's, that's basically what it is once you get into rehab and treatment. Right. But then... We talk about addiction, and we mean people going homeless. We mean people committing crimes. We mean people doing a, a drug drive. People say addiction, and they mean all this other ball of stuff. Yes. Yeah. So maybe when they say, who do we blame for addiction, they're talking about that other ball of stuff. But That's what I meant when by you, conflating it. But yeah. when you do really look, you know, I think Stanton has been talking about this forever, you know, saying like, look, uh, you know, the idea that everybody who compulsively, and I hate that word, yeah. but everybody, the idea that everybody who compulsively uses drugs or alcohol is also doing all these other bad things right. is just not true. That's not true. In, in any That's... sense. Like, there, there, there is, it happens. Well, this is, this is the I... problem with labels. Yeah. So let's, let's forget about addiction. Let's just completely act as if that word doesn't exist, then what are we looking at? We're looking at people who are freely choosing something that has risk associated with it. And that risk comes in all different kinds of forms. Everything from the license to misbehave, where I'm going to beat my wife because I can get away with it, to crashing a car by accident. That's why they call it a car accident, right? Uh, You didn't intend for it to happen. Um, so, So 
But if you look at where that started, the connective tissue between the drinking episode and those, those things, the drinking episode driving the engine there is motivated by the person just wanting to be happy. And in and of itself, that's a normal, fine, non-judgmental situation. And, and then these other things happen. Is that an addiction? Who gives a shit? Who cares? Yeah. Why, why do we have to label it? The only reason we need to label it is because we have to control it. Yes. Well, that, okay? Yes. Absolutely. That absolutely. That, that's the part of it. Here's the thing. Is the vast majority of people that drink regularly and maybe even heavily or use substances don't do any of those things. That's right. They, yeah. they, don't, they don't have those issues. But now, actually... But now, in this day and age... Just the fact that you're doing it gets you into trouble. Yeah. Yeah. With a spouse, with a, a kid or a parent, or just the fact that you're doing it, everybody's terrified that that you're one step away from being the junkie that's out on the street, you know. Yeah, uh, mugging old ladies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I hate the term junkie. I just had to. For the record, I never mugged an old lady. <laughs> Steve, you don't. We'll talk about that. Later. <laughs> um, you made me think of something. Um, you know, the vast majority of people don't do these things, right? Oh, what was it? A drunk driving thing. And you said something that I wanted to jump in on too, right? Like drunk driving is not a risk of drinking. No. Right. People are completely capable, no matter how drunk they That's are, right. of not driving a car, uh, right? Right. Yeah, right? <laughs> because, and you can see this, if you look, right, you have, I mean, I remember seeing a Cheers episode, Cheers, right? So that's early 80s, oh, yeah. where they were going hunting, and they had a beer bottle in the, it, 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 right there in the yeah. truck, in a pickup truck, yeah. driving, drinking a beer, right? So, drink, and I remember my uncle used to drive around Yeah, my dad, oh, God, beer, everybody did. Right? Yeah, everybody so, did. people used to drink and drive a lot. And then in the 80s, you have Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Oh, you have yeah. all kinds of new laws. You have all kinds of this. We're going to make anybody who drinks and drives a pariah. And in within 20 years after yes. that massive movement starts in the 80s, the, the, the fatalities, the arrests, the, the crashes, all involving drinking, like cut in half. Yeah, and and the arrest thing is really amazing, because they're policing it more. Yes, yes. right. And so you think you start policing something more, more of you're it. going to find more of it, but they started finding less of it, right? So all of a sudden, when there's this big social push against don't drink and drive, and the consequences are going to be big. Now it still happens a lot, but it goes down, right? And if people were out of control of themselves. Right, that's of course. Right. Because of course. they're so drunk. Of course. But that's not what happens. People get totally drunk and they go, I shouldn't drive. I'll, yeah. I'll call an Uber. I'll call an Uber, <laughs> right? It's very you know, easy. In the old days of taxi. They can yeah. make yeah. that decision, but then at the same time, they'll take an Uber home with somebody that they're going to fuck and, <laughs> and then they'll... And then they'll, they'll, they'll tell yeah. their, their husband or their wife, oh, I was too drunk. I don't know what happened. I don't right? know what happened. This person oh, just got in the Uber. You, could, you were smart enough to not drink and drive. But it's now the, al the, Uber. The, alcohol, the alcohol didn't force you to drive, but it forced you to fuck somebody else. <laughs> but, yeah, it doesn't work that way. And, you know, and when I talk to, a lot of times I'll get calls from 
from spouses or, you know, or parents. And they'll say, you know, my spouse is awesome person, but when he drinks, he's abusive and angry. And oh, you get this a lot. I get this a lot. And, yeah. uh, and, and my answer is always, I get that when he drinks, he may be that way. But it's not a causal relationship. He's giving himself permission. So you, so what they're saying to me is, I have to stay with this person because a he's sick. He has a disease called alcoholism, and b the the result of his alcoholism is is that he beats me, and so it's like I'm not gonna leave somebody who they get cancer and then they beat me, right? So, but my answer is no, no disease. There's no disease, and no, he doesn't beat you because he's drunk. You're bringing up something that's really important. It's really, <laughs> you really are. It's really important, and it's and it's it's about labeling again. Yeah. It's about categorizing behaviors in one direction or another. You know, um, when you go into a tracking school, there's a, a really unique thing that they do, and to observe your environment, they say forget labels, forget that that's a maple tree, forget that that's a hill, forget all meaning. And just allow yourself to observe what is real. Yes. Okay? Which is really hard to do. Yeah, it is. It's really hard to lose meaning. To be totally objective. Yes. And to only observe what is actually real. And all of a sudden, if you practice this, it takes days for you. Because your mind will attribute everything you know, all this knowledge. That's right. So we have a society that has ironclad labeling when it comes to this behavior that makes people feel like absolute shit. And minions of those classifications. So you become sick, you become dirty, you become bad, you become all these things. And what happens is as as you're labeled, you feel the pressure of those labels and you're behaving in these bad ways, then the shit hits the fan. And when that happens, the people that do the labeling are your solution because now there's a control relationship. And so you go to the professionals that have labeled you and you say, how do I fix this label? Mm -hmm. You know, because I don't know how. And it's a massive distraction when what you just described is, well, what's the relationship with the husband? Why is he doing what he's doing? He doesn't have to do this. No. For, if you forget Any the, more than he has to drink and drive. That's right? exactly that. correct. Yeah. These are freely chosen behaviors. Forget the label. Forget addiction. Forget, you know, whatever whatever label. Well, yeah. people don't want to do that because they, they don't... Because, right, having a fight with a husband or a wife is supposed to be... Like, if it gets physical, that's supposed to be intolerable. Right. But if you can blame alcohol... Right. right. Then maybe you can salvage the relationship. That's right. Right? Yeah, but it doesn't solve the problem. Once no. again, it's a blame game. Yeah. I'm going to blame it on the alcoholism. We don't address the relationship. Get yeah. rid of the label of alcoholism out of that situation. And all of a sudden, that situation becomes literally illuminated. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, if we don't have alcoholism, if it isn't the al- that means it's not the alcohol, then you're doing a logic backwards. And then, then you go, wait a minute, my relationship, he's drunk, but he's being an asshole. You know, right. Maybe I don't need to get maybe hit anymore. Maybe I don't have yeah. to accept this. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so labeling is a massive distraction that creates a scenario where you need somebody to interpret you. Yeah. 
And that's why treatment, and we do this in psychiatry, we do it in schooling, we do it with kids, we classify kids in this way, in that way, with this disorder. We, as a nation, have become the tyranny of experts. Yeah. You know? And we no longer think for ourselves. We just say, what am I? You know, what expert, what am I? Right. You know, why do I do what I do? And he comes up with some yeah. blame, yeah. you know, but some classification. It's really detrimental. And the blame, and I, I guess what I want to bring it back around to, is that the blame doesn't help you to move forward. Ever. As an individual, um, you are, you brought up the, the positive drive principle. You're going to be doing what seems to make you happy. Yeah. What seems to, in your mind, make right. you happy in life. Whatever that is, that's what you're going to be motivated to do. And it can the only change. way to move, yeah, the only way to move forward is to say, is what I'm doing here making me as happy as I could be? Um, and you know, and that's a much more complicated question mm-hmm. than people think. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, I guess I, I can't, I shouldn't even go there. But it, but that is the big question. And, and would I be happier living my life some other way? And blame. Doesn't do anything. It doesn't add to that conversation. Nope. It it's doesn't, a distraction. It doesn't help in the weighing of options. It's a distraction, right? So to people who are listening who have a problem, I want to say, don't worry about blame, right? And to people who want to help others, I want to say as well, don't worry about blame. Right. This isn't forwarding the conversation or anything. Like, it's it, it's one of these things where because people have made it a topic... It, it it self-perpetuates. Who do we who do we blame for the fact that this guy drinks every day? Why do we got to blame anybody? We don't. If yeah. anything, it's an anchor. It's an anchor to your past. If you're busy looking backwards, trying to figure out why you're doing what you're doing, um, then there's no way to move forward. Yeah, you're doing it right now because it appears to be the only thing that'll make you feel good right, right now or the best thing. Put it that way, right? So... That's the only thing that's going to move you forward is changing that. That's right. Yep. I think we covered it well. (laughs) All right. Let's wrap it up. Thank you guys for listening today. If you or someone you know is seeking help for a substance use problem or other habitual behavior, or you want help in breaking free and moving past recovery as well, you can reach us at 888-424-2626 or through our websites at thefreedommodel.org and soberforever.net and also leaveaddictionbehind.com. At thefreedommodel.org, we offer a bunch of free resources, including videos, podcasts, and eBooks. And you can still get a free digital edition of our full books, The Freedom Model for Addictions and The Freedom Model for the Family, um, on that site as well. If you enter in coupon code FREEDOM100 for The Freedom Model for Addictions and FAMILY100 for The Freedom Model for the Family. Follow us on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and subscribe to the Freedom Model YouTube channel. We have three Facebook groups we started for people to discuss their experiences breaking free from addiction and recovery. They are the Freedom Model Group, Moving Beyond Addiction and Recovery, and Families Moving Beyond Addiction and Recovery. Um, And there are some great uh, Leaving AA and Deprogramming groups on Facebook as well. Um, If you are struggling with detox, if you need medical detox from alcohol or benzos or opiates, um, you can call our friends at Gallus Detox. That's G-A-L-L-U-S Detox.com. They have a 
wonderful private detox facilities in Denver and Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, and no. All right, from everyone here at the St. Jude Retreat and the Freedom Model, we wish you well. Until next time. Bye. Thanks. Bye.